Hello and welcome back to the Jessica Pinelli podcast. I'm Jess, your host and your favorite female empowerment coach. This is a safe space to speak about all things on mindset, relationships, business, sex, money, and life experiences. Get comfortable, get ready, and let's go. back to the Jessica Finnelli podcast. It's so excited for this episode. I have a very special guest who is going to introduce themselves very shortly. I was on Laura's podcast a month or so ago. The time has gone so fast and I'm so excited to have her on the Jessica Finnelli podcast. I'll let her introduce herself and let her tell you what she does. Laura, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, Jess was actually my first guest on my podcast. So super, super exciting. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Laura. I'm a dating and relationship therapist and coach. I'm based in New York City, but I'm currently traveling around South America right now. So not really tied to a home base. Um, yeah, I guess that's that's really it. <laughs> I love that you're traveling. And actually, one thing, this is completely random. Have you been taking your dog around with you? as well oh my gosh yeah she's sleeping on the oh, floor right next to me you I might hear that. her bark at one point <laughs> yeah she's with me oh that's amazing how's it been traveling with a dog I find that so fascinating I love that it's incredible but I wouldn't recommend it to anyone because it's a yeah. hell of a lot of work and so it's not for the emotionally weak that's not saying I'm emotionally strong but I can <laughs> pull myself out of hell if necessary um, for example, they almost didn't let her in the country when we got to Chile. And so I had to deal with immigration in broken Spanglish um, for hours at the airport just to get her into the country. So it's definitely not for the week. I cried a lot after that. <laughs> um, I can imagine. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. she's Otherwise, now. it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like your best friend here. <laughs> yeah, you have a companion at all times. That is a good thing. Right. Um, right. Let's jump into it. So therapist when did you decide to become a therapist and your line of work I know is heavily focused on relationships so give us a rundown on that yeah so I was actually a speech therapist originally um, I worked in a k-12 through school um, for language delay disorder disabilities um, specifically in the elementary school floor mm -hmm. and I was there through the pandemic um, when our I guess if you look at a school for language delay and disorder right a speech therapist is one of the primary roles within the school system um, and then when we switched to remote school because of the pandemic suddenly it was like my job was not even remotely important mm -hmm. because it was all about social emotional health and how are these kids doing at home with the transition there's a pandemic right they're super uncertain they're not really sure what's happening and so that's what kind of dipped my feet into mental health. I mean, prior to remote school, I was working with the school social worker, the school psychologist, but not in the same capacity that I was when social emotional health became the number one. Um, and I think we see that in society too, right? There's such a huge mental health push since the pandemic, because suddenly everyone was at home sitting with their thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um and so I was doing one-on-ones with these kids and just giving them a space to talk, right? Not necessarily from the perspective of a mental health professional, but just an adult who understood what they were going through and who gave them a space to talk. So that's when I decided, you know, I really want to do this. And I was in a relationship at the time and my partner had said to me, you know, why don't you go back to school for psychology? And I feel like that was the green light for me to just make that decision and go. Um, 
And I did. And I became a therapist. And now here I am. I went into this field thinking I was going to work specifically with trauma, um, which I still am, right? I'm doing a lot of relational trauma, but I think I fell into the dating and relationship niche because that's what I needed help the most with Mm -hmm. too. Some of the best advice I ever got from from a supervisor was, we're not going to get the clients we want. We're going to get the clients that we need. And I mean, it rings true, right? I'm getting all the 20s and 30s who are serial daters or they're just having relationships that seem to play out the same pattern every single time. And that was me for a very large chunk of my life. So what do you think the common issues that you see that these couples bring into your sessions and that maybe you've experienced yourself? Because I completely relate to that. Basically, I can't think of one at the moment, but all of my clients are in some aspects reflections of a past jazz or even sometimes things that I'm currently working through and I'm like oh Oh, my goodness this is scary (laughs) this is actually scary like we're actually going through the same thing at the moment so I guess navigating that as a therapist and having that as like sometimes it can be maybe trigger might be a very strong word but for lack of a better word those triggering points when your client's going through that and it's almost like you're giving them that advice or things to work through do you find that when you sit back and you reflect yourself you struggle with to take your own advice? Always, always. I mean, I just interviewed a holistic health coach for my podcast yesterday, and she said something that rocked my world. She said, we're only ever a few steps ahead of our clients. And I said, Mm. holy smokes, you're right. Like You're absolutely right. Because they look at us as experts. And while we do have the content and the information behind to support the wealth of knowledge that we have about this space, right? In terms of experiential learning, I don't know your experience because I'm not Mm. you. And you don't know my experience because you're not me. And so you can memorize all of the textbook information that you want. But when it comes to experiential learning, it's more likely than not that we're right there with each other. Um, So that was a really huge moment for me. But in terms of not taking my own advice, yeah, all the time. (laughs) And I have to say one of the biggest areas that I don't take my own advice in is my own self-awareness journey. And so that's Mm -hmm. why I started that 365 day challenge on my page, because I need to hold myself accountable, right? I'm here preaching self-awareness and healing journey to all of my clients. But like, what the hell am I doing? hold myself accountable for that I love I love that you're sharing that and one thing that I want to highlight in that I know that you put I think it was a couple of days ago on your story that you were because originally you were starting to share it all on reels and then you shared on your story not feeling called to um to share it on reels I'm still going to show up I'm going to share it on my story now what I want to highlight there is that I feel that so many people identify with something that they've chosen to do or they like something at a point in time and they get too scared to change it and like that small thing that you did I was like I love that that's very empowering because it's like well I'm still gonna hold myself accountable but I don't have to do it in a way just because I told everyone this is how I'm gonna show it so I want to explore that a little bit is how I think it's such a big societal thing it's almost like we get too scared to come out of the boxes that we put ourselves in, or maybe other people have put us in. And it's like, well, I've I've identified this for so long. Like what is going to happen if I actually start 
doing something the opposite way. So what are ways that you navigate that? And that shift because, and for everyone, I'm going to be leaving Laura's details all in the show notes below. So definitely go follow along. But that's one of my favorite pieces of content that you do because I'm like, I I believe for me, it brings me back and I'm like, okay, where am I having a self-awareness piece? What am I doing every single day to heal the relationship with myself? So I absolutely love it. But in that shift, did you have any internal conflict and regards to anything where it's like, well, I've started to identify with this or I've started to do something in this certain way. Should I continue just because or how am I going to get out of this? Absolutely. I mean, I think as people who put content out there, right, I I don't even know why I didn't choose the word content creator. It just didn't feel right in that moment. But yeah. as people who are putting out content, right, it didn't feel, maybe that's why I didn't use the word creative because it didn't feel creative, right? It just felt like this is something that I'm doing in my everyday life. And I align more with that in stories because I'm very active on my stories. I'm constantly showing up as me on my stories, whereas my reels are a bit more creative, right? Not that it's not me, but it's a different part of me. And so it wasn't resonating with that part as much. And I think in the past, I would have held the mindset that I need, I need to just do this, or I need to abandon it altogether and get rid of the Instagram, right? I would go zero to a hundred. I'm either fully in it and staying in it, or I'm getting rid of the entire Instagram and giving up because I'm not good enough, right? It always, mm-hmm. always comes back to that core belief of I'm not good enough. Whereas as I've begun to heal this relationship with myself, I have a lot more compassion for myself. And of course, that's taken years of therapy, years of self-awareness that's needed to be developed. But I think that's one of the biggest components, right? And now in this this crazy space that I'm living in South America, right? Just constantly on the go and not knowing where I'm going to be next. One of the biggest things that my friends and my family said to me before I left was, are you sure you want to go for that long? And I said, I can just come home. I can just come back. I gave myself the permission Mm -hmm. to take back a decision that I felt I was obligated to do, right? And to Mm -hmm. fulfill And I did the same thing with relationships. I did the same thing with jobs. I stayed in things that were so unfit for me for so long because I felt like I would be judged if I just gave up. That's one of the biggest things that I see in my clients as well. And even something that I've struggled with is this big fear of judgment. I've said this many times on the podcast, but I actually put off starting my podcast for six months because I had this huge fear of judgment. And funnily enough, it wasn't even more so the people around me, my friends and family, it was strangers on the internet, right? When I started my podcast, there was like no one doing it. There was like Joe Rogan and Oprah, right? And so it wasn't really a thing. And so I was like, what? Like, okay, all these people following me and this is where I started to build a following. They're going to make this judgment. And I think that just looping back to what you said is we have to consistently give ourselves permission to do the things that feel in alignment, that are guided by our intuition. Because I think for so long, we wait for the permission of other people. We wait for other people to give us the permission of this is okay or like that sounds good. And like I notice this sometimes in my friendship group, you feel like, okay, I know my answer, I'm validating myself. And then it's not until a friend agrees with you, it's like, oh, yes. okay, oh, this breath of fresh air, someone's agreeing, I'm on the right, right like track to what I want to do. And so exactly. I, I think this is one thing that I've been stepping into over the past couple of years too is like why – Am I waiting for this validation? Why am I waiting for this permission? So I'd love to see your insight. Why do you think 
people wait for this permission from other people or from society rather than themselves. Because they don't trust themselves. And I think you nailed it when you talked about intuition, right? If we're following our intuition, it's always going to feel right. And so we're not going to question that. We're not going to doubt that, right? We're going to continue to do what feels right and trust in that. And I think it's a matter of not trusting in yourself. And I think it's a matter of being disconnected from yourself, right? How can you trust in yourself if you can't even connect with yourself? You feel a whole body reaction with your intuition, right? I mean, we talked about this on my podcast. That's why my last relationship ended because all of a sudden one day my body was like, absolutely not. We're done and broke up and it was easy, right? It doesn't mean that it didn't hurt. It doesn't mean that it didn't suck, but it was easy for me to walk away because my intuition was telling me to. And I don't know if I can even describe what that feels like to you other than a whole body reaction. Cause I think that was my first time I ever really felt my intuition. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So why do you think it led up to that point? What were you doing prior? If you know, or why did it take that event for you to actually connect and be like, hang on, this bodily response is my higher self. It's my intuition. Yeah. Oh my gosh, my therapist and I, if we had the answer to that, would it have to be every week? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if I told you this, but I was spent most of September in Norway. And so that was my, I finished school. I finished, I'm now fully a therapist. And uh, that was my trip to myself. It was also my birthday. I turned 27 on my own for the first time. I spent a birthday by myself um, in Norway. And it was also my first time out of the country since the pandemic. And it became such a spiritual trip for me. And so my therapist, and I've also started connecting with a psychic as well, who is so incredible because after this trip, and then after I broke up with a very long-term relationship, I needed someone to make sense mm. of all of the things that were happening inside of me. And I'm a skeptic, right? So I met with this, this psychic and I gave her like my Google voice number. So she had no information to mm. me, couldn't find me on the internet, only knew my first name. And I swear she like, nailed everything that I was feeling. And she was like, you're going to start a podcast. And I started my podcast literally a month later. Like I had already been in the process of planning mm. it, but it wasn't announced yet. Um, she, at the end, she said, you're about to swim with the big whales. Right. And so swim with the big fish. That's a very common phrase that people say mm -hmm. swim with the big whales is not a phrase, but whales are my favorite animal. And while I was in Norway, like I was constantly whale watching and for for her to say something that resonated yeah. so much with me, that's not a very common. Oh my god, phrase. I have goosebumps. That's right. <laughs> she rocked my world. I'll send you her information so you can link yes, her as well. You? She opened up a website. Uh, Tracy's amazing. She literally changed my life. She's super informed about tarot cards as well. So I got really into that recently. But to get back to your original question. I mean, my therapist and Tracy and I think that something spiritual happened on this trip for me. And Tracy describes it as a karmic cycle. And she said, I'm 27 and that's the perfect age to be restarting a karmic cycle. Um, and basically I'm just receiving all different energy than I did the last seven to 10 years of my life and my last karmic cycle. And that makes perfect sense, right? I'm changing careers. I just ended my relationship. I'm traveling. I have a whole change of scenery. So all of these new, new, new things are happening for me. And I'm letting go of everything that resonated with my last karmic cycle, which felt very heavy and very weighted and very loaded. And when I was in Norway, I had this one moment. I was driving a lot when I was in Norway. It was pretty much a road trip, half the trip. Um, and I had this experience where I was driving home from dinner and 
I kid you not, I felt my abusive ex there with me in the car and my abusive ex isn't alive anymore. Um, I didn't kill him just to practice. That sounded a little sketch. <laughs> that did sound a bit sketchy. So my abusive ex is not alive, but um... <laughs> oh god, I didn't kill him, I swear. Um, but I felt him and I to this day don't have anger towards him. I don't hate him. I don't resent him for how he treated me. I get it. I understand why he was the way that he was. And it doesn't mean I'm invalidating my experience, right? Like I went through something really shitty, but I understand it and I can empathize with him, even though he was my abuser. And in this car ride, I felt him sitting there next to me and talking to me. And I swear it was, it felt just as crazy as it sounds. And he had just said like in my head, obviously in my own voice, cause I can't hear his voice. Like I've been looking out for you. And that was one of the craziest experiences to ever have in probably I've my had entire life. consistent goosebumps. Oh my <laughs> goodness. I love this. Now, you know, why I'm in South America. This has been the yeah. craziest few months of my entire freaking I get life. It. I get it. And that for me was like my intuition, right? For all of these years, it's, we're now six years out from my abusive relationship. I have felt like someone was watching over me and I'm not religious. I wasn't really spiritual. Now I'm on this whole self-spiritual journey of like, what the hell is my intuition trying to tell me? Cause it has way bigger plans for me than I ever imagined. Okay, there's so much I want to unpack. Where do I start? I, know, I, I should have been taking. So no, no, I love that. No, no, no. Don't be sorry. I should have. I should make notes. Um. Okay. The first thing, like, I'm so for seeing psychics. We've seen a few before in the past, and I, I'm not a skeptic whatsoever. But I always go in like giving limited, like contact, can't find me, all of that. Have to. Yeah, all all the time. And the the two times that I have gone have actually blown me away. And this was probably the first one seven years ago. Yep. And then the second one was probably five years. So yeah, I went two years apart. Everything has come into fruition. And at times, and I have the recordings from that and listening back, I actually listened to it mid last year, just out of curiosity. And I'm listening back and I'm like, Oh my goodness. The one that I had five years ago, I remember her saying in the recording, it's like, I can just see the letter D. I can see the letter D going to be a big part of your life, the letter D. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. My partner (laughs) saying now is David. And like things like that. Yep. Yep. And like, I, that was one part I forgot about. So when I was re-listening, I'm like holding myself and I'm like, Oh my God. So I, I love that. And I am a, a full believer, but I also believe in those instances. And this is what I tell my friends who are very curious or maybe skeptic. And to anyone that's listening is you always, you do have a choice, right? I do believe in our karmic cycles. I do believe that our soul is on this 3D experience for some reason and that the patterns that we repeat and we learn from. But I do believe that we have a choice, right? Just because you go in and a, a psychic or a medium clairvoyant and says, hey, by the way, like you're going to get married in two years. That doesn't have to be the case. It doesn't mean you're never ever going to get married, but you still have a choice. So I, I completely, I completely believe in that. And I, I love that you had this, such a spiritual experience with your your ex in the car. And like, I, I'm sure very confronting and very overwhelming, but it's it's something I've, encountered a few times my mum passed away when I was 18 and a few things that 
has happened and I'm like I can't explain to anyone the experience I'm like I'm not fucking going crazy like I know she was with me I know there are certain signs certain things that have happened and like I know 110% that she is with me and and I think like being open to that and, and being open to learn from those and and I agree with what you said. I think having these experiences, it doesn't mean we need to all of a sudden go seek out people we know passed away and have these spiritual experiences. But I think like, or can we? Really? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They'll come to us when they want to. (laughs) Um, We don't get to seek them out. (laughs) That is what I've learned as well. And I think like having that feeling in your body of that spiritual experience. And I guess in saying that, what do you think, like I'm a very spiritual person and I think sometimes I get conflicted with the world that we live in and, and and the work that I do separately as a coach and then I look at your work as a therapist. For you, is there any conflict of being a spiritual person and then doing things, for lack of a better word, logically? I don't know if I operate from a logical perspective in my work. I think it's all self-spiritual and that's a word that I'm I'm really leaning into. I mean, I actually have a real tomorrow plan for why I'm rebranding self-improvement to self-spirituality because that's what it is. If we're trying mm-hmm. if we're consistently trying to improve something, then that means it's always broken or it's always wrong, right? We have to fix it. it life doesn't work that way. It's not always so logical. It's not always point A to point B. There are so many nuanced layers to things. And I think people try to live this very concrete boxed life that keeps them in a way, in a a space that makes them feel regulated and safe Mm -hmm. because that airy feeling that you get when you tap into things like your intuition and spirituality can feel very scary and dysregulating for people. And so I don't know if I operate from a logical perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm very clear and upfront with clients about that at consultation, right? I'm not going to be the therapist who sits back and says, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. I am going to be the therapist who pushes you to process. And I'm not going to be the therapist who just sits and validates your emotions, right? I'm Mm going to be the therapist who wants to unpack all the the layers and look for the different nuanced complexities. Let me go take her bowl away from her. I'm so sorry. (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) Go do that. But I I completely agree with you. And I think that's why on a level, like we really resonate with each other because I fully take this no bullshit approach. And I want to bring up your Instagram stories and you do your coffee questions. (laughs) And as I said, like Laura's details are going to be in the show notes below. Like definitely go go have a look. People submit anonymous questions to her. I love your non-bullshit approach. Your blunt approach. I've been pretty rough lately. (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. And I think like there needs to be more people like you in your field that have this blunt approach. I think for a long time and for what I've seen, I have seen three therapists. I'm I'm with one now, but my very first therapist was very airy-fairy. Like, "Mm -hmm, okay. And that's why I, I quit after three months because I was like, fuck this, is this therapy? And this is when I had, this was years ago when I haven't developed my emotional maturity and understanding. And I'm like, fuck, no wonder people hate therapy. Like, what is this shit? And I think like looking at your approach and maybe it's because I'm I'm blunt, like I resonate with it. But the fact that I think that we're, especially in this society with the way it's going, it's like, you can't say anyone anything to offend anyone. You can't say yeah. one wrong thing, especially on the internet. 
or else people come and attack you and it's wrong or it's like you're not right. And, and I don't believe in wrong or right. I think everyone has their perspectives. Everything's on this scale yeah. that we aim for neutrality. But I guess from what I see from the questions that people send into you, it's, it's almost like people, well, it is, people are living with these constant emotional charges and yeah. want to hear answers that are easy or maybe it's soothing their ego. And I guess when you get these questions, and I and I watched all of yours this morning from, I suppose, your day today, and, yeah, from what I can gather, a lot of people just want these easy answers or want you to kind of agree with them. So when you're navigating these questions, what what comes up? And is there any ones that you're like, I want to be more blunt or I'm going to hold myself back a little bit? <laughs> I think there are many questions that I roll my eyes to. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you saw it last week, but I straight up had an attitude on my stories. Yes. And I was like, listen, guys, we can't for everyone listening. My my followers and my community always sends in questions about their exes and mm. wants me to psychoanalyze their exes thoughts and behaviors. Mm. And I was like, I can't do this anymore, guys. I'm not doing this. The purpose of this space is not to psychoanalyze your ex. It's to psychoanalyze yourself, right? How yes. you're responding to your ex. We don't give a shit about your ex. They're your ex. Mm. <laughs> They're not even in your life anymore. And so there are definitely moments where I want to say things like move on, right? Mm. Move on. Because that's something I would say to a friend, but I have to remind myself they're not your friend, right? You don't know who they yeah. are. You don't know what kind of emotional state they're in. And some clients need the uh-huh, uh-huh kind of therapist. Mm. But my my clients know that's not me. And any mm -hmm. client who is about to start working with me knows that's not me. And anyone who looks at my Instagram page knows that's not me. And so do I think clients probably, or not clients, do I think anyone who submits a question probably gets a little offended from time to time from my response? Probably, but I've mm -hmm. never once had someone push back on me and say, you know what, that was not right, or that was mm -hmm. wrong, or that was uncalled for, or that was harsh. Nobody has ever given me that feedback because I'm not saying anything insulting. I'm just speaking the truth or the reality, right? And of course, that's warped. That's a biased perspective because it's what I see as the truth or reality, but it probably resonated for them, which is why they're not coming back <laughs> with all of this other feedback I absolutely agree and yes I notice a, a theme with your questions is, is people wanting to psychoanalyze their exes and I think yeah. it, it it's also become very trendy more so I see on TikTok I'm sure there's there's more trends on Instagram as well but for my own awareness on TikTok where it's it's speaking directly I see the amount of TikToks that I see just of women, I'm sure men do this to everyone listening, but I just see on my newsfeed women calling their men, uh, men, their exes, narcissists, or they did something wrong and blame, 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 blame. Never any responsibility, never anything. And I'm a true believer, and it's been proven everyone's a mirror of you, right? So if you are, if you are saying, okay, well, he was narcissistic and he did this, like it's mirroring back parts of you, parts of you that you need to yes. own, love and heal. And this is one, and I remember commenting this on one of the um, a TikTok I saw, this was months ago, and this lady ended up blocking me. And yeah. I'm like, well, you just don't want to own up to the fact that you are quite literally getting mirrored back parts of you. And I think like there's such, especially for women, I know that there's men out there too that have these opinions, 
But from what I see, a lot of women want to blame and not take self-responsibility. It's a theme that I have with my own clients yeah. with questions that I get as well. It's like, okay, so solve this problem with me, with my ex or this person, yes. solve it for me. And it's like, okay, hang on, let's just cut out that person. Let's solve the problem within you for a moment. What's actually happening? What are you thinking? How have you navigated? And no one wants to take the self-responsibility. It's something I struggled with for years. At times, yes, I still struggle with it. But I think like it's also become very trendy to complain. And especially yes. when you have a, a platform like Instagram because there is more vi virality, people complaining together, people fucking love complaining. It's like they love, they love to be angry. Yes. <laughs> they love, look yes. at the US. US yes. loves yes. to be angry. Yes. You guys do. Oh, love God. <laughs> Jess, I'll give you a perfect example of that, right? Because we're not perfect. Even as people who work with clients, we're not perfect. So I, on this trip, right, within the first freaking week being here, meet this deep, deep, deep connection, right? And so now, as we're progressing, figuring out what is this long distance kind of situation that we have going on? Is this something we want to pursue? We are FaceTiming often because that's the only way to really get to know someone over such a big long distance. So last night we're FaceTiming and he's telling me all about his hobbies in high school. And he did this one incredible group for years, like five-year commitment. We're talking two weeks every year, five-year commitment, like so much time and effort went into this. And I immediately felt judgment coming up from within me for what he was doing. And it had nothing to do with the reality of his experience, right? I couldn't sit there and see, oh my God, he put so much time and so much energy and so much effort into this because, and I won't tell you what he was doing because I want to get to the end. Today, I sit down with my journal and I'm like, what the heck was coming up for me last night? Like, why, why was I judging him for this? And as I'm journaling, all of a sudden, this repressed memory of me, I was like seven years old. I was at a play watching my cousin perform in this play. And I told my mom, I want to do theater. And my mom told me, but you don't even have, you can't sing. You can't dance. You don't have any of the talents that you need to do theater. And that was it. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't allowed to do theater. Now I'm in middle school and I still really want to do theater. I can't sing and I can't dance. I'll give her that. I can maybe dance now, but like, I didn't have the skills. I'll give her that. But I didn't need that to do middle school theater. I could have just done middle school theater and that was it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She wouldn't let me do it. And so for all of these years, now I'm in high school and I'm trying to hang out with all of the theater kids because I really want to do theater. And I think maybe if I make a friend group who does theater, my mom will let me do theater. No, because I'm not a theater kid. So I'm rejected by all the theater kids. And so now I resent the theater kids. And so now this new connection who I'm forming a connection with last night is telling me I did this like theater intensive for two mm. weeks every year. And <laughs> your face says it all, right? You know exactly where I'm going with this. Yeah. I did a two-week theater intensive every year. We put on an entire performance for the community. There were all these different modalities of mm -hmm. like different kinds of arts. And he said videography. And that's what I, that's my jam. And I got so pissed. And then I'm looking back on last night and I'm realizing as soon as he said videography, that's when the judgment came up. And so not only am I projecting my anger towards my mom for not allowing me to do theater, my anger towards the theater kids for not welcoming me and accepting me into their group, I'm projecting that onto him, judging him 
But then I'm also projecting my anger because as soon as he touched on my talent, right? Video content creation, videography, I was like, mm. F you. Mm. Right. And I had to check I in love with my that. Yeah. Yeah. And but the the key thing there is I think you checking in on yourself and like reverse engineering when those emotions came up in your body. And this is yeah. actually funnily enough, a conversation I had with some of my clients last night on our group container is the, and I know we spoke about self-awareness and conscious awareness on your podcast, but one thing is that so many people will look at, so in like normally someone in your situation be like, okay, I'm just fucking pissed. Like I'm just judging, like annoying, or he keeps gloating or blame, 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 right? Nothing. Like it's yeah, all about write it him. off. He's doing something wrong, him or her doing something wrong. And then, yeah, exactly. Write it off. The key is to sit and to reverse engineer where is this resentment stemmed, right? Resentment is formed in the past. This is what a lot of people don't understand. The the fear, the fear that we have in the in the future in our present now is always stemmed from a past resentment. So where does that come from? But then people stop because they start feeling it and it gets too painful, whether it's emotionally or quite physically, their heart's pounding, they're sweating and they're like, no, like that's too much. And so then they navigate, blame, 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 blame. And it's it's like exactly people in relationships. I remember my last relationship, always, always screaming and yelling, you're emotionally unavailable, you are non-committal, you're this. When I did my reflection and when I worked on myself and I made relationships my top value, I was like, holy shit, Jess, you're, you are actually non-committal. Look at all the shit you did. Yeah. You actually were emotionally unavailable. Look at all of that. And that was a clear reflection of everything you were feeling inside that you were looking to blame. And then instead yeah. of just sitting with this, and this is where people stop, it's like, okay, yep, I admit I'm emotionally unavailable. It's like, no, like, where did that come from though? Where, what yes. part of you became disconnected? And you need to go back to that. You need to go back to that moment. And I guess that's the big thing of reparenting yourself, connecting with your inner child is understanding. And I always ask myself, it's like, what is coming up for little Jess right now? Where where does she not feel supported? Where, where does she not feel heard? And it's something yeah. I often now ask myself if I have a disagreement with my partner straight away, it's not adult Jess. I'm like, all right, little Jess somewhere is not feeling heard. She's not supported. Yeah. And I guess I want to ask you, like, why do you think that people struggle to shift? I know it's hard to put the blame on yourself or take responsibility, but what's the biggest thing that you've seen that people just want to shift, shift, shift and don't want to dig into the reality of why something has happened? I think breakups. I think that's always where that self-awareness is lacking. I think we're so quick to blame our partners um, for the reason the relationship ended or for the breakup itself, right? Like, I don't think we're willing to face the reasons we contributed to the end of that relationship. Um, Because often, more often than not, right, if we're really hurt by this breakup, we were probably fighting really hard for the relationship to work. And so facing the fact that we also contributed to the end of that relationship means that all the work that we put in was for nothing, right? So there are so many different complexities there that we have to wrestle with. Yeah. And I think that when we have an end of a relationship, I think it's also taking yourself out of the identity of yourself that you created whilst you were in that relationship. Yeah. I know that's something that I struggled with in my past relationship was how, who am I now if I'm not this person's partner? Because that was such a yeah. big part of my identity. And I think like people often forget 
that you're also grieving that part of you. And I think that's what had a hold of me for the longest time is grieving not just the end of that relationship, that friendship, but also the part of me that I once knew or all the realities. Because when you're in a relationship, right, you you plan for the best. It's like we're going to do this together. We're going to, you know, whatever it may be, plan your entire future. So you create from that. You create your being. You create your surroundings from that. And I think grieving the loss of the relationship and grieving who you once knew you were is such a big impact. But one thing I've seen is people don't grieve enough. Do you see that as well? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people try to just pretend like it didn't happen, Mm -hmm. right? But it's a huge loss. I mean, it's more than just losing your partner. It's losing your identity, kind of like you said. I mean, it's losing friends. It's losing hobbies that you guys shared together. Mm -hmm. It's losing experiences, right? I I spent the last few summers out in Fire Island. I will probably never see Fire Island, New York again, Mm -hmm. right? It's, I mean, unless I have a reason to go there, I'm probably never going to go, And that was really hard for me. I have so many memories. I mean, Lola learned how to swim there. Lola, my golden retriever, (laughs) Lola like jumped off a dock there every single summer. And I lost that part of me when my relationship ended. And that was almost harder than losing the relationship because I knew the relationship needed to end. It was losing all of that other stuff too that made it so hard. And I think we often end relationships or we're forced to end relationships, right? And we just kind of try to move on. We sit in the intense emotion, right? That like, I can't breathe, I can't sleep, I can't eat kind of emotion for the first few days. And then that fades and people think they're healed. People think they're Mm -hmm. moving forward. Um, Or they go on a first date and they're like, oh, that felt kind of weird. And then they think, okay, when it no longer feels weird on a first date, then that means I'm good. That means I've moved on. And so they'll go on date after date after date to try to wait until to try to get to that point where it doesn't feel weird anymore. But we're ignoring all of that relationship, right? We're ignoring all of what we just lost. How do you know, or do you think there's ever a point where we are really healed from our last relationship? Or do you think that there's always going to be residue always residue I mean mm-hmm. my abuse I said my abusive relationship was six years ago I'm still working through stuff and of course that's an abusive relationship so it's a little bit different of a context but I'm a firm believer that every relationship serves a purpose in your life and my last relationship absolutely served a purpose and one of the things that I really liked about this new connection is I was showing him my Instagram and I was like, oh, sorry, like there's a picture of my ex, right? Because that's what we're socialized to do, to, mm. to delete all the pictures of our ex. And there were some photos I couldn't get rid of because they had held such special memories for me, right? Like we took a picture of me, him and Lola in front of the Zion National Park sign. And Zion was such a transformative experience for me. And it also sparked like my outdoorsiness. My It's the reason I'm in South America. I'm about to like camp in a car <laughs> in Patagonia for a month. Uh, so it holds really special memories for me. And, you know, this new guy had said, oh, that's okay. Like every relationship is important. And for him to say that to me, it was like almost allowing me to just forgive myself for not being fully over my relationship for still healing. And that's something that we talk about, right? We talk about like what went wrong in our past relationships and how do we want to improve? And so I don't think the healing is ever done. There's no healed, right? We're always uncovering new parts of ourselves that need to grow. And so that process is never over. And 
in terms of finding a partner, we need to find someone who understands that and who's willing to talk about that and have those deeper conversations with. What do you think the fine line is when finding someone and let's say that there's a conflict of how you communicate or finding someone on the the same emotional awareness and understanding. Where's the fine line of trying to teach them, not nag or anything to, okay, we're clearly not a match here. Like it's, we're just too different. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's when they come to us, right? When mm. they're like, oh my God, this relationship sucks. And I, I just can't seem to figure it out, right? If you're constantly trying to fight for something, it's not it. Move mm. on. Let's mm. move on. If you're constantly trying to monitor someone else's emotions, move on. Mm. If you're constantly complaining about someone to your friends and your family, move on, right? Those things are happening for a reason. And so that's when you need to tap into your intuition and ask yourself, does this feel safe for me, right? Is this good for me? Because I was waiting for a ring from my ex. I was ready to get Mm. married. I was ready to get engaged. I was planning our life together. And now looking back, I'm like, oh my God, we couldn't have been more different. Our value system were completely different. So check in with yourself, check in with your values. And one question that's really been guiding me lately is I want a family. There's nothing I want more in this world than to be a mom. Do I feel comfortable with my future children observing the way my partner is treating me? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. that. Yeah, they're they're not going to model that. They're going to mirror that, right? We're the model, and so we need to teach them to regulate their nervous systems. Mm -hmm. We need to teach them to respect their partners, to value what a relationship actually is, right? Because we're not dating Mm -hmm. out of conveniency. We're dating out of partnership, Mm -hmm. true commitment to someone. Oh my god, I love that, and it's something that's been more in awareness for myself over the past year with my current partner and we actually just had his sister and his younger niece and nephew who are four and six stay with us in the past week I love observing kids because it's always a reminder of in a a non-weird way a reminder of like we need to tap into that childlike energy we need to be naive watching them play and the things they come up with their imagination and also one thing that I especially his niece and nephew they are always fucking aware they pick up everything they're they're in the other room over here and you're having a conversation in whispers two days later oh didn't you bring that up the other day mummy and it's like wait you're listening to that and and it's it's something that even when I was with them and I was taking care of them it's like I don't know I have moments where I was like okay how do I nurture them how do I allow them to be themselves and also guide them but then it's also like okay you don't want to put in their head like oh, like tell them off if they're being a child or anything like that. And it's like this yeah. huge thing that I'm in more awareness of. So I absolutely love that that question that you asked. And I think it's such a, a big one. And one thing I want to loop back to is what you were saying about the feeling of safety, right? And ask yourself, tap in, does this feel safe? Now, what I've seen, and I think I felt this myself, people feel safe from the point of view of their nervous system, Right. So our nervous system can often trick us into this is a safe thing. We can be in a very chaotic, abusive, emotionally abusive, physically, whatever it may be, relationship, but that's still safe because that's all we ever known. So what are the things that we can really, and obviously a disclaimer, every relationship and nervous system is different, but kind of like a roughly, how do we determine what actually feels safe 
and what is something that is just the same old tricks that is playing out in our body? You know, I think we also have to bring into this context the readiness to change, Mm -hmm. right? And so if someone is not ready to change, we can almost rephrase that question to, does this feel safe for me right now? Right. Because I think about abusive situations too. your nervous system needs to stay in that dysregulation. Sometimes that fight or flight mode for survival. And so if this is a situation where you need to stay in that dysregulation, literally to survive, right. Even context of my last relationship, I couldn't have ended my last relationship before I finished school. I never would have been able to do that. Right. I needed, I couldn't go through that significant feeling of loss and still finish school. Could I have done it if I was forced to probably, but I didn't want to, I wasn't ready. I wasn't willing. Right. So if I ask myself, does this feel safe for me right now in July, it did. But then September, right, I'm done with school. Does this feel safe for me right now? Absolutely not. Because now my nervous system is back to my baseline. I'm not dysregulated from school. So I know that I need to feel regulated now. So I think it's a matter of understanding your own body. What does regulated versus dysregulated feel for you? And is this something that you need to use as a skill almost, right? Do you need to use that dysregulation as an advantage right now? Or are you moving towards regulation, right? Do you need that regulation? Yeah, I completely agree. And I think this comes down to the self-trust piece of you to know your body. You need to trust yourself. You need to trust those instincts. You need to become more aware. You need to spend more time connecting to your physical, to your spiritual self, to understand what these actually feel like. Like a lot, and I'm sure you've had this too. A lot of clients that I have are like, I don't know what that, I don't know what dysregulation feels like. I don't know. I don't know what regulation feels like because it's all, it's blurred into one. All of the good times, all of the shit times are blurred into one. And so of course they, they don't trust themselves. So how are they to define the line between this is regulated and this is dysregulated? And I think that's, it's such a big thing we see in today's society because it's almost like normalized to have this blurred line and it's the max mentality ready right it's the mass consciousness of like just go with the flow and accept everything that's happening it's like no like question I I saw something the other day or maybe I I heard it in an audio book but it's like what is the flow what have you normalized as your flow question where yep. that came from and I was like fuck yes that's so true it's like everyone uses this go with the flow but like where did you get that from what have you normalized yep. as the flow so I I love that um one thing that I want to go back to that you mentioned when you were talking about your social media and showing this new connection and you had a picture of your ex social media and the role that it plays in relationships or the maybe I should say the problems that maybe you've seen from couples or people that you have been in sessions with of what role, like is social media bad, I guess, to put it simply for relationships? I don't think social media is bad. I think behavior is bad. Um, A lot of people use social media as a weapon. They use it to fuel jealousy in a manipulative kind of context. Mm -hmm. And then on the other end of that spectrum, they use it as a a means to control, right? Now we're constantly monitoring our, or not our ex, but our partner or or our ex on social Mm media. Um, I think the behavior is what's wrong. I think social media has so many great positive aspects to it. And I understand that I have rose colored glasses on in this season of my life. So I don't want to just sit here and say social media is bad. Maybe if you asked me a year ago, I probably would have said that, but 
I don't think so. I think we need to be more accountable for our behavior. And so for us mm. to just sit here and say social media is bad, right? That's what we were talking about earlier. We're just complaining and we're projecting it and blaming someone else or something else in this case, rather than taking accountability for our own actions for things like cyberbullying or stalking or monitoring. Mm. I saw this TikTok just in relation to um, couples and being in a relationship and using social media. And it was a interview um with quite a big influencer and they were saying that if your partner and I want to hear your thoughts on this because it's I feel like an age-old question with women these days if your partner is liking or following other girls or whatever your partner is male female uh is that a bad thing and these girls in this podcast it was very emotionally charged very biased were saying well if you are in a long-term committed relationship and you've had that communication, there should be no following, there should be no liking, um, nothing of the sort when it comes to social media. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a way to control, right? What are you ignoring within yep. yourself? You're ignoring your own mm. insecurity. You're projecting yeah. it through jealousy. You know, I think there are specific boundaries and expectations. And my mm. interpretation of what I would expect in a relationship for me is if you have a connection already, right? Your friends, you've known each other for so long, however, whatever, and you're liking someone's photos, I, I have no right to be upset about that. If you meet someone new and you're liking someone's photos, I have no right to be upset about that. But if you're just like following random girls on the internet and liking their photos, that's a different kind of story for me. I think that crosses a moral boundary because one, it's mm. kind of weird. And yeah. I think it's weird that you would do that as a woman that makes me feel a little unsafe and creeped out. So I think for me, that's more moral, but that's also a big testament as well in my adult relationships, right? Like, am I with a partner who's okay with me meeting a guy and mm. trusting that it's going to remain a pl platonic connection and not progress into something more? And I think that's a big testament to our individual maturity and also our maturity as a couple. Do you think that male and females can be friends if they are already in separate relationships? My gut wants to say no, because I've been cheated yep. on many times, but yep. my logical and my, even my emotional brains, right? Like did my emotional brain have that immediate gut reaction? Sure. But the reality is, yes, you have to be with a partner who you trust. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between dating out of conveniency versus dating mm -hmm. out of true partnership. Like I mentioned earlier, if you're choosing a partner who you are fearful will cheat on you, then you are not choosing a partner. You're choosing someone to date out of conveniency, right? Mm -hmm. You would have had these conversations about values and what does partnership mean to you and how can we support one another? And if you are not having those conversations, it's not a relationship. It's just, Hey, we're two people hanging out. Right. And so mm -hmm. once those conversations are had, you're not going to feel jealous. You're not going to feel like, Oh, my partner can't be friends with this person or, Oh, they're cheating on me because you will have so much security and stability within the conversations that you're having with your partner that you can't fake that. Right. Yeah. People can fake not cheating on someone. People can't yeah. fake authenticity in a conversation about what's partnership mean to you. A hundred percent. I love just going back to the dating out of convenience as a few people in my life that come to mind that are in those behaviors but I think it's more of a yeah. testament to how they feel about themselves and what they're trying to find or lack what they lack in themselves in quotation mark and I and I think like 
always, always, and I say this to my friends and I've said these to the friends that I have in mind, it's you you need to spend time by yourself, right? It's like people who are serial daters back to back to back to back to back, always attracting the same type of person over and over again. It's like, and I've been there, but it's also like, look, it's the exact same person that you've attracted for the sixth time now in the past few years. Like, what is that saying about yourself? What are you lacking in yourself? And I I, I don't know, I'm blunt in this way now. I don't feel sorry for any of my friends if they're in that situation because I'm like, you aren't learning. Like you're quite literally yeah. asking to attract the same situation. So I yeah. think it's always always about asking yourself, why am I dating? And if you are in a long-term relationship or even a new relationship, like what what are my values? How am I getting supported? Like what does this relationship mean to me? And that communication piece, right, is like being in constant communication because you are forever changing, your partner's forever changing and evolving. I think it's really unrealistic to think, okay, I've, I've been with this same person for the five years and they're going to be the exact same person. Like I personally think that's boring. Are they evolving as a person? Are they yes. doing something, right? And they always say to my clients, like look 100%. for someone who's meeting you where you are or surpassing you so it helps you grow rather than staying content and staying in the same thing. So I think it's, we have to take a big look at all our relationships and reflections and learning from my exes. I know a lot of my friends don't like to look back and think of their ex-partners <laughs> because it, it's too icky or it feels yuck. And I'm sure that you can relate. I can relate. I've been there yeah. as well. But most uh, big life lessons have come from my ex-partners and, and those relationships yeah. and my behaviours. Um, but thank you so much for this. I'm very mindful of time. Like our last podcast, I could keep talking for another hour. <laughs> Same. We <laughs> always can. Def- yeah, definitely going to do another part two. But I would love to hear what are you reading or listening to at the moment or consuming that you really love and enjoy? Oh my gosh. My podcast of choice right now is almost 30. So this is something that I started with in the last few months. I am absolutely obsessed with Lindsay and Krista. They are like my idols. Uh, they have so much great mental health content out of there, out there. I swear. I think they're, so I talked about my intuition ending my last relationship. I think their episode, um, it was called growing individually and growing together. And I can't remember if it was Lindsay or Krista who did it with their husband. Um, but I think that ended single-handedly ended my last relationship <laughs> because it really talked about true partnership. Mm. So loving their podcast right now. Um, I'm currently reading 101 Essays That Will Change Your Life by Brianna Weiss. Oh, I love that. I'm it's, always constantly flicking through that. I love it. And it's one of those ones that you can read and then put down and then come back to it two weeks later or just flip to a random page and see what resonates. Uh, so I really love it for that purpose. Oh, I love those. Let everyone know where they can find you, how they can work with you, how they can consume your amazing content. Yeah, I'm primarily on Instagram. I have a TikTok. I don't use it. I also created an Instagram for my podcast. Don't use that either. So my main social is at lauracruso.therapy. I show up pretty much every single day on there. I'm very active on stories. My DMs are open. Um, but other than that, my podcast is called emotionally available. It's available on all podcast streaming services. And there's a link to listen to it on all of the services, um, right in my bio at lauracruso.therapy. Amazing. Well, I'm going to link everything down below so everyone can find you easily. Thank you so much for coming into this container and allowing me to hold space. I appreciate you. I appreciate the conversations that we have, and we will definitely do a part two soon. Oh my gosh, thanks so much for having me. It was so much fun.
Thank you.